Man, I'm so glad you came to church today. If you'd remain standing, we're going to read some scripture today. Uh, if you're new, my name's Brad, and I'm the lead pastor. Uh, after the service, I'd love to meet you if you're new, or if you came on the arm of a friend, bring them back. We do something called Starting Point right after the service. My wife, Laura, and I, and our, some of our staff, would just love to say hi. Uh, we're going to be at John chapter 11, John chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible uh, on your mobile device, uh, download what's called version. Just look for that in your app store. I read out of the New Living Translation. We're in a series called Revived. I believe God wants to revive the dead things in your life. He wants to revive those things that you've given up on. And this is a series we're looking at different resurrection stories from Scripture. We're looking at seven of them. There's several more that we're not even going to have time to cover. But this is kind of our Lent series. Now, if you're new to Christianity and Jesus, uh, Lent is a season where we as followers of Jesus just prepare for Easter. You heard Easter's coming. So we like have a Good Friday service coming up. Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to be doing Core Community, which is going to be a celebration and honoring this lady right here, Jen Boren. Uh, she gets ready to move to Oklahoma City. We're going to be sending her out as a worship pastor and leader in Oklahoma City. And we're excited about what God's going to do. Hope you come Wednesday for that for Core Community. We also have a Lent guide. It's a time of fasting and prayer. On our website, you can get all the info about what Lent is, but just prepare yourself for this Easter season. So today... Uh, our series is called Revive. Today I want to talk about reviving perseverance. Reviving perseverance. Keep moving. Keep moving. Uh, turn, turn, tell somebody. Turn three people right now. Tell them, keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. John chapter 11. John, if you're new to the Bible, was what many uh, scholars believe he was Jesus' best friend. And he wrote this account of Jesus' life. And we'll pick it up in verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha were really, really close to Jesus, probably next to John, his closest friends. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is, is very sick. I mean, you ever prayed a prayer like that? God, I'm I'm struggling. God, this is what I need. This is what I, God, this is what I need. That's what, that's what she's doing in this moment. It's like a prayer. When Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And then finally he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. God, for your word, we come now to humble ourselves and to listen. We ask that you would speak to each of us. Church, that God has a word for you today. He has something he wants to speak, but you got to be open. So you got to ask his Holy Spirit, God, help me to be open to you today. Pray for the people around you that they be open. You, you might know them, you might not. Um, they may be followers of Jesus, they might not. You don't know what their struggle is. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you, you can pray today. That's the beauty of our God. You, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to pray. You just say, God, speak to me. And then would you pray for me um, as your pastor? I want to be faithful to the scriptures today. And if you're ready, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. All right, as you're seated, just turn to somebody and say, I'm ready to receive. I am ready to receive. I am ready to receive. Well, I'm not a uh, patient person. Uh, 
I, I don't like to wait on anything or anybody. I get very, very frustrated when, when I have to, to wait on anything. My, my motto kind of in, in life is don't slow me down. That's just, just do not slow me down. Uh, I recently heard about this new donut shop that opened up in downtown Tulsa. It, it, how many of you heard? Wow. You better respond like that when I start talking about Jesus, okay? That's all I'm going to say. I want to hear some feedback. Hertz Donuts, anybody heard of Hertz Donuts in downtown? If you haven't, okay, Google it later. Don't Google while I'm preaching. Hertz Donuts, where's that at? Okay, I'm going to check. Not now. Do it later. Uh, Hertz Donuts is this new donut shop they opened up. And I was like, well, I've been. And Laura's like, hey, let's go. I'm like, I'd be cool. And then I found out how long it takes to get a donut there. The wait is up to two hours. Who waits two hours on a donut? You, Nancy, you waited two hours on a donut? Kent, you need to take your wife out on a date or something, my friend. My goodness, two hours. I am, now, Laura, when she tried to convince me to go, okay? I, I'm like, no, seriously. She's like, oh, no, it's all about the experience. It's just the experience. Okay, I don't need to wait two hours to experience a donut, okay? I, I just, I can't bring my, I can't imagine waiting that long on a donut. Because I, I, like even when I go to the store, maybe you're like this, I'm a divide and conquer kind of guy. I've got my, I got it mapped out. I want to get in and out as quickly as I possibly can. If I see you and you're from the church, I'm blowing you off. I ain't talking to you. I want in and out of that store, okay? I mean, no disrespect. I just want to get out of the store, okay? So some of you are like, I thought he didn't like me. No, I just want to get out of the store. And so I, I go up to the line. Everybody do this? Anybody do this? You, you check out. You start looking and scoping out which one is the shortest lane. Anybody? Anybody like that? Shortest lane people? Okay, yeah. Does it not feel great when you find the short lane? Like, you get in that lane, you're like, ah-ha, suckers. I mean, you just feel like, you're like, I just, I just conquered Everest. I mean, you're just like, it's amazing. Unless the person in front of you starts pulling out coupons. I got another one for that. Oh, wait a second. Is that the Lysol one? Is that the Lysol or is that the Mr. Clean? Hang on a second. It's at the bottom here. Really? And then you're looking and the other lane's moving. And in that moment... You know you shouldn't, but you step over to the other lane because <laughs> you're like, I'm not waiting any longer. And just as soon as you end up in this lane, this lane bogs down. What happens in this lane over here? Mm, they're just moving right along. It happens in traffic too, doesn't it? Like you're in traffic and you get, that's just the worst. Uh, Laura doesn't care. I don't understand this woman I've been married to at all, but she'll be in the right lane. She doesn't care. I am a left lane kind of guy. Any left laners here? Yeah. All right. I'm a left lane people. Yeah. If you're not a left laner, get out of our lane. Seriously. Why are you going the speed limit in the left lane? Nobody goes, I don't understand that. You don't go the speed limit in the left lane. So anyway, as you're driving in traffic and you ever get and it just bogs down and you stop, you're like, ah, oh, and you look in the lane here. What is it doing? It's just cruising right along. Maybe not at a high rate of speed, but it's just kind of moving along nicely. And you're just thinking, no, don't do it. No. No, stay, stay the course, stay the course. You can do this. No, no. And then you change lanes. You ever done that? You change lanes and you move like 20 feet. And then it bogs down. And what happens in this lane over here? Vroom, vroom, vroom. So frustrating. Man, we do the same thing in our relationship with God. We change lanes before we should change lanes. 
Like you're praying and, and you're believing God for something. There's something in your life that you need revived. There's something in your life you've been praying about and you're trusting God and you're, you're, you're trying hard to stay in the lane, but you get frustrated. I, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't just get frustrated at the checkout lane. I get frustrated with God sometimes because I'm like, God, I mean, don't you know my motto? I mean, I don't want to wait. And God's like, you're going to wait. And I don't want to wait. And you get so frustrated and then you change lanes when you should have never changed lanes. You, you give up on God before he steps in and moves. So I want to tell you today, don't change lanes. Don't change lanes. Let's encourage one another, okay? Turn to some people around you, in front of you, behind you, tell them, don't change lanes. Don't change lanes. Listen, Mary and Martha, in our story, they're having the same struggle. Their, their brother is, is sick. He's not doing well. And, and so they, they sent this message to Jesus. They, it's like a prayer, and they send for Jesus, and then they're, they're waiting, and, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. Ver, verse 5, go back to verse 5, and it says this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he did what? Can we say this next part together? He what? He stayed where he was for the next, what, two days. Is this true of you? Because this is true of me. Like when, when God doesn't show up, do you begin to question him or, or, or even question your, your, yourself? You know, like um, maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm, did, maybe, I, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe God's not happy with, maybe God's not happy with me. Maybe, maybe there's, is there a sin? Maybe, maybe my attitude, is my attitude off? Is there, why God, why is this not coming through? I do this all the time, but God, why? And, and so I question him and then I even begin to question myself. Well, listen, I, I want to say this to you today. I think this is so important is God's delay is not an indictment on his love for you. God's delay is not an indictment on his plan for you. God's delay is not his way of saying, I'm not going to come through on my promise for you, or I'm not happy with you. This is not what God's delays are about. All you have to do is go and look throughout the, the picture of Scripture and the stories of Scripture. Go all the way back to Noah, Noah and the ark. And Scripture says this, that God looked upon the face of the earth. He only found one person righteous. That was Noah. And he tells Noah to build an ark. And Noah has to stay in that lane for 120 years. He's building an ark for 120 years. God says, I'm going to send rain, a promise, and no rain is coming. Okay, I have not waited that long for anything, okay? 120 years he has to stay in this lane. Abraham. Abraham's the father of the nation of Israel, and Abraham and, and his wife Sarah, they get this promise that they're going to have a son, but they're old and they can't have a son, and, but God says, I'm going to bring a promise through you, and they got to stay in this lane, even though they don't feel, feel like they should stay in this lane, and then if you, if you check the story out, Sarah, she gets impatient, she can't wait any longer, and she, she, she changes lanes. And she, she decides that they're going to have a baby a different way, and so they have a baby, and it completely complicates and messes up everything because she changed lanes. I mean, think about Joshua. Joshua, who led the children of Israel into the promised land, that, 
the, the people of Israel. God said, I'm going to lead you into the promised land. And the people of Israel, they're waiting and they're waiting. And then finally they get impatient and they, they change lanes. They said, we want to go back. We don't believe in the promise anymore. It's taken too long. But not Joshua. Joshua, he stays in this lane. They're in the desert. Anybody in a desert? You're in a desert. You're waiting. You're thirsty. It's not coming. You don't see it. Everybody else is getting theirs. You're not getting yours. And you're blocked. And it's not coming. I'm headed for it. It isn't coming. This is Joshua. For 40 years. He perseveres in the same lane. I'm believing the promise of God. I'm believing the promise of God. I'm believing the promise of God. And because he stayed in the same lane, he received the promise of God. Man. Think of David. David, who was anointed king. And if you don't know the story of David, David, the young shepherd boy who killed Goliath, and then he was anointed king uh, over Israel. But he didn't become king right away. In fact, he had to flee for his life. And the, the king was hunting him down. And he is, he's in the enemy camp at one point, and he's like, he's staying in his lane. And I can't imagine how many times he must have been tempted to change lanes. In fact, one time, he had this opportunity where he had this opportunity where he could kill the king. Easy kill. He would become king. It would speed up the process. And he could just, just change lanes. Just change lanes. Take the promise now. But he doesn't. He stays in this lane. He doesn't kill the king. He holds off. He waits on the promise of God. And God comes through for him. Don't change lanes. Don't change lanes. Mary and Martha are sitting there in their lane. And what's interesting in the scripture here, it says this, that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but he, he, didn't, he didn't move for two days. For two days, he didn't move. I, I love on demand. That's like my favorite thing now. I mean, it's like I can watch it when I want. That is like one of the greatest gifts that we've been given in the 21st century is on demand. Because some of you aren't old enough to remember, but back in the day, you had to be home at Thursday night at 7 o'clock if you wanted to watch Seinfeld. Anybody remember that? Like there ain't no DVR. You miss it, you miss it, unless you want to show up for summer reruns. Okay, you better be there, and you are sitting through the ads. I mean, there's just no other way around it. But now, today, you can have it when you want it. And we want God on demand the same way. I want an on-demand God. When I say I want it, I want it now. I've been in this lane long enough. Chop, chop. Come on. Hello? Come on. Listen, God is not an on-demand God. Let me just say, we have no right to demand anything from God. For he is God and he is holy. He is God, he is holy. He is not here to serve you. He is not here to serve me. I am here to serve him and him alone. So so in verse 7, it says this, finally, Somebody say, finally. 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 Say it like you mean it. Like, think, I want you to think for a second. Think about what you're waiting on. Think about the delay. And you're saying this like, now, now say it the way you really mean it. Finally. finally. Come on. Finally. Uh, I, finally, his disciples said to him, uh, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Listen, it might take two days. It might take two weeks. It might take two months. It might take two, two years, but God is going to move on your behalf. 
Okay, this section heard me, but this section did not, okay? No matter how long it takes, if God has given you a promise, you stay in that lane because God is going to move. Come on, you with me? I mean, this is our God. This is who he is. Like, turn to somebody right now and encourage them. Would you do it? Let's just encourage one another. And tell them, don't change lanes. Don't change lanes. God's going to move. Don't change lanes. Verse 20 says, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary, come on, let's say this together. Mary what? Stayed in the house. She stayed in the house. Why? Because she's, she's discouraged. She's, she's struggling a little bit. And I mean, it's weird because Mary, she, like, she knew who Jesus was. She knew he was the miracle maker. She believed he was the Messiah, son of God. She, she had heard the miracles and she'd seen and heard about the resurrection story. She was close to Jesus. She, she had heard about the widow of Nain. And she'd heard about how Jesus showed up at this funeral procession in the middle of this village and parted the crowd and touched the coffin and this child was raised to life. She'd heard that story. She knew it was true. She'd heard about Jairus' daughter and how Jairus' daughter had died, but Jesus went to his home and went inside that room and, and Jesus looked upon this beautiful girl and spoke life into her and she was raised from the dead. Mary knew these stories, but the truth is, Man, it's, it's just easier to believe for someone else's miracle than it is to believe for your own. It's just easier. Man, I, I can believe for you. I can believe for your financial miracle, but I can't believe for my own. I can believe for your physical healing. I can even pray for my friend for their physical healing, but not my own. I mean, I can, I can pray and believe that God is going to deliver from addiction. He can deliver others. I believe that, but it's hard. It's hard to believe for myself. Because when, when, when you're struggling, it's just easier to stay in the house. Because when you're, when you're struggling and you're, and you're waiting, um, it's just hard to move. It's just hard to hold on to hope. Remember when I was going through my kidney stones a few weeks ago, and I was just in the ER, and I was in excruciating pain. I mean, I just overwhelming. They pumped me full of morphine twice, and so I was like, ooh, that's tingly. Uh, but other than that, it was not even touching the pain. Not even touching it. And I was trying not to scream out, but I was just kind of like this, and I was just trying so hard. The pain was so intense. And once I knew how big my kidney stone is, I understood the pain. But I remember at one point, I was just, oh, like this. And I remember I, I was just looked at Laura, and I said, oh, you got to go through the pain to get to the promise. <laughs> yes, Lord, hallelujah. Whoa, you got to go through the pain to get to the promise. Oh, somebody's preaching up in here. <laughs> I mean, and this, this nurse in the back of the room, she goes, amen. <laughs> and, and I told Laura, in the middle of all this pain, I said, I'm going to preach that. You watch me. I'm going to preach that. You got to go through the pain to get to the promise. 
I wish you didn't. I wish no pain for you. But Mary and Martha, they faced pain. But despite the pain, Martha moved towards the promise. And she goes out and she meets Jesus. And they have this conversation and he's encouraging her. And then he says this, hey, hey, go get Mary. Go get Mary. That's such a pivotal moment in this story for each of us to understand this, that even when you can't move, God moves. Here's Mary. She's, she's stuck in the house. She's stuck. She's stuck. She's lost hope. She's lost faith. She's, she's, just, she's changing lanes, and she's just giving up on the promise, and, and Jesus says, go get Mary. Listen, what God is saying to some of you today, he's coming for you. Even though you've given up, even though like Mary, you're just finding yourself stuck in the house. Listen, God is moving. Even when you're hurting and you're tired, God is moving. Even when you've lost hope, God, come on, amen? When you've lost hope, God is moving, amen? Like when you're tired, God's moving, amen? Like when you have no faith, God's moving, amen? He is moving. He is moving your way. In verse 33, it says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people welling with her, this deep sense of anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. And then this famous verse from Scripture says this, then Jesus what? He wept. So the picture here is, is Jesus, he's, he's troubled, he's, he's angry, he's frustrated, he's, he's, he's overwhelmed, and I mean, to the point of, of, of weeping, and uh, what's, what's happening? Why is this happening to him, and what's going on? You have to understand, in this moment, Jesus is experiencing death as both God and man. Jesus is God in the flesh, God who came to us. Jesus is fully God and fully man. So in this moment, he is troubled as, as a man. As a man, he's looking at Mary and, and, and Martha and, and Lazarus, and he's like, these are people I love. These are my friends, and they're hurting, and he's hurting with them. That's what you do as a friend, is it not? You hurt with your friend. This is who our God is. This is what he does for you. He does not sit passively by when you're hurting. He enters into the struggle with you. He walks with you in the middle of your struggle. He does not abandon you. Oh, man, that's so good. He is with you. But he's also fully God. And in this moment, he's angry and he's frustrated and he's overwhelmed at the picture of death because death was never the promise of God. This was never the plan of God. God's plan is not death. God's plan is life for us. This is what he wants for us. This is what he has for us. It's why Jesus came. Like he came that through the cross, he would conquer death so that you could have life. Listen, somebody, some today, you need that word. Okay, I don't know where you're at. Somebody today, you are just broken. You are lost. You are far from God. He came for you. 
He came for you, and he conquered that death that you find yourself in. Oh, you act happy. You act like everything's cool. Everything's good. You drive in the right car. You got the right job. You got enough money in the bank. But you know something is wrong, and you're in a dark place, and nobody knows it. But Jesus does, and Jesus has shown up today in your life to say, I came to conquer that death in your life. I came to bring you life. This is who he is. And this is what he was talking about to his disciples earlier in the story. Go, go back to verse 4. And in verse 4 it says, but when Jesus heard about it, this is when he first heard about Lazarus. He said what? Together. Come on, say this together. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, no, it, it, it happened for the glory of God. So the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, notice he, he didn't say Lazarus wasn't going to die. He, he just said death would not be the end. See, we see death in all of its finality. Death is, is the end. That's, that's the way we see it. But God doesn't see death as the final act. It's, it's like going to a concert and leaving before the encore. You don't leave before the encore, do you? I mean, if it's your favorite act, I mean, if you're, you're going to see a JT in concert, man, you ain't leaving before the encore. That dude can bring it. I ain't leaving before the encore. I'm staying because he's bringing his best stuff for the encore. So I'm not leaving. Listen, we serve the God of the encore. This is who he is. Oh, man, come on. I am preaching today. This is good. This, I ain't preached like this in a while. This is good stuff. You're like, hey, turn to somebody and say, we picked a good day to come because he is preaching up in here. I mean, come on. Tell somebody right now. I need some encouragement right now. I need some love right now. Because if it's not feeding your soul, it's feeding my soul. This is our God. So, so don't change lanes. Don't leave before the encore. See, the enemy, the enemy triumphs in death. Man, the enemy loves the word cancer. Oh, he loves that. He loves to triumph in that. He loves those words. He loves to triumph in depression. He loves to triumph in abuse. He loves abuse. Yes. He loves to triumph even in, in the finality of a physical death that it is over. He loves to triumph in your debt when you've got bills stacking up and you don't know how you're going to pay them. He loves that. He triumphs in the job loss. He triumphs in the broken relationship. He loves that. But not our God. This is not our God. He does not triumph in death, he triumphs over death. This is what he does. He doesn't triumph in cancer. He triumphs over cancer. Okay, he triumphs over the debt that load that you're facing. He triumphs over the addiction. He doesn't get any pleasure in addiction. But man, does he triumph overcoming it, conquering it, triumphing over it. He doesn't, he does not love sin. He doesn't triumph in sin. He doesn't get excited about sin. Sin brings death. No, he triumphs in overcoming sin. This is who our God is. This is who you come today to worship. And this is what Mary and Martha 
were seeing and who he was. In fact, Jesus said this to them. It happened for the glory of God. Listen, let's encourage one another right now. I want you to turn to somebody right now and tell them, hey, God's, God's going to get the glory for what you're going through. Come on, tell somebody right now, encourage them. God's going to get the glory for what you're going through. God's going to get the glory for what you're going through. Somebody needed to hear that from you today. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, man, he's, he's always making us talk to each other all the time. I'm so uncomfortable talking. I just don't like talking to somebody. Well, you're in the wrong church, okay, because I ain't, I ain't doing all the talking, okay? I mean, we need to talk to one another. You, you, come on, you know, some of you sitting here right now, you know I preach this up in here, and I'm bringing it and everything, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to have to do some throat lozenges because I'm screaming today. I understand all that, and I'm just like all bent. I mean, I, and nothing, flat, nothing. You ain't feeling nothing. But isn't it strange when somebody you don't know, a stranger, turns, taps you on the shoulder or turns around and looks you in, in, in the face and, and says to you, like, hey, don't change lanes. You're like, all right. I mean, you're like, you're thinking it. I'm, I'm about to change lanes. And, somebody, and, and you're not even hearing me, but, but somebody got to use somebody right now. And you, say, and you just say, hey, don't change lanes. You don't even know. You're just saying it because Brad's making me say it again. Don't change lanes. How many times do I have to say this? Three times? Oh, my goodness. Don't change lanes. Don't change lanes. I'm not turning around because I do not like that person, and I wish they changed lanes. Go to another church. That's what I wish they would do. <laughs> and so you're just saying it. You have no idea how the Holy Spirit is using you today because somebody's heard that, and they received that, and they were about ready to change lanes. And they're like, well, maybe I, maybe I, I shouldn't change lanes. So let's practice it right now. Turn to somebody right now. In front of you, behind you, come on. Don't change lanes. Say it with the Spirit of God upon you. Don't change lanes. Don't change lanes. Listen, Lazarus' sickness was not the final act. So Jesus, he, he goes to the tomb and he says, hey, roll that stone aside. And he calls for Lazarus. And it says this in verse 44. Can we say this together with authority? In verse 44, and the dead man came out. And the dead man came out. What is it that appears dead in, in your life? What is it in your life that you've rolled the stone over? And I don't know what it is, if it's a relationship or maybe there's a dream or it's hope for a, a better tomorrow. I, I, what is it in your life that it just appears dead? Jesus never, never promised that we would not have pain and struggle. His only promise to us is that we could overcome pain and struggle, that we could overcome death through the power of of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the promise we have, and, and that's what he's given to us, and that, that's the hope for all of us who have placed our hope in Jesus Christ, is that he's the miracle maker, that, that he can revive those things that are dead. That's what this series is all about. That's why I've asked you to be here every week, is because we serve the God of the resurrection. He revives those things that are dead. And we started in week one, we talked about the Shunammite woman, and, and we talked about how, man, if you just, God can do a lot with a few sticks, a handful of flour, a little bit of oil. I said, keep moving towards that jar, keep moving 
towards that jar. We talked about, um, the, uh, uh, that was the other widow. And then we talked about the Shunammite woman. And, and Daniel, Pastor Daniel talked about the Shunammite woman. And the Shunammite woman in week two, she uh, had a son. God had given her the promise. You remember that? He preached with the whiteboard. Anybody see that? He was preaching up with the whiteboard. I mean, he was bringing it with a whiteboard. That was crazy. I don't know how anybody could preach with a whiteboard. I was like, back at school, I'm dying here. But he was preaching. And I was like, I receive, I receive. It was good. And he was talking about this idea that you have a birth and then you have growth and then you have a setback. You have death. But we serve the God of the resurrection and he raised to life the Shunammite woman's son. And then we talked about Jairus and how Jairus, and I mentioned that a few minutes ago, and how uh, Pastor Eric talked about this idea, you got to have the right relationships in your life, the right people at the right time. you got to have people speaking faith into your life. If you didn't hear that message, you got to go back and hear that message, because God wants to revive those things that are dead in your life life. And then last week, man, we talked about this widow with, and I just mentioned a few minutes ago, the, the coffin and, and God is, man, he's, God is the source of my resources. And every week in this series, we've been talking about this idea that what is it in your life that is dead? God wants to revive those things that are dead. And here we are today with this guy named Lazarus and he's in the tomb. And, and when he's laying in the tomb, Jesus and Martha are having this conversation. And back in verse 25, Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the church what? Life. Yeah, I'm the resurrection and the life. life. He is the life. In other words, I want to say to you today, God is going to move. Even when you can't move, even when you're stuck in the house, God is going to move. We serve the God of the resurrection. And the word that he gave me earlier this year was that he was going to revive dead things. That this is the year of revival. But you have to grab a hold of that promise. You have to hold on to it. You have to begin to speak it and to declare it no matter what you see, no matter the tomb, no matter the stone, no matter the stench, that you say, no, I serve the God of the resurrection. He's going to move. And listen, I just came today to say one thing. Don't change lanes. Don't change lanes lanes. Let me pray for you. Father, so grateful for these promises today. And I would ask that your Holy Spirit would come and just start talking to people as only you can. I just encourage you, church, right now to have a conversation with God. He's here. His presence is here. And he wants to speak to you. And God, I'm stuck in the house. I can't move. Thank you that you're moving. God, I've rolled the stone over it. Would you roll the stone back? And God, help me not to change lanes. Give me, give me faith, God. Build my faith. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he came to conquer over death and sin. What I spoke of earlier is a promise for you. Your sin and your shame can be gone in a moment. All you have to do is declare Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. You're the living God. And I thank you for, for your life and your death. And you did that for me. And I don't understand all this about you taking my sin away, but I'm, I want my sin gone. And today I want to just put my faith in you and my trust in you and my hope in you. So God, we declare these things in your name. Amen.